Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 82. Today, I am hanging out with the incredible Jordan Dooley behind Soul Scripts, and I'm so excited to talk to her about how to find and hone and craft your own brand voice, what it looks like to stay inspired, and how to keep a pulse on what your audience is needing. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. This girl's energy is through the roofs. So... What do you say? Let's get this party started. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, hey, it's Jenna here, and usually this is the point of the show where podcast hosts talk for a solid five minutes about some product that you need to purchase or a coupon code, and maybe you're like me and you just fast forward through it to get to the actual content. But fear not, friends, you don't have to do that here. I have dropped all of my sponsors in an attempt to get back to why I started this whole thing, which is to bring you the best free education twice a week. So today's show isn't brought to you by a paid sponsor. It's actually brought to you by my free Instagram guide, Captions That Convert. That's right. I made a totally free guide dissecting captions that don't just get likes and comments, but captions that actually convert your followers into paying clients. Because what good is that number under your name if it's not showing results in your bank account? Grab this free resource and more at jkinsta.com. That's right. We all love free, so hop to www.jkinsta.com and up-level your Instagram game in no time. Let's dive on into today's show. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I am introducing you to a bright, bright light, an amazing woman, Jordan Dooley. I met Jordan just a few weeks back in California, and we exchanged a really warm hug because we are both huggers and love it. 
Jordan is the founder of Soul Scripts, which is an amazing, amazing resource. Their tagline is your brokenness is welcome here. And as you know, we love to invite you to come as you are. And so this woman is just so equipped to be on the show today. She's an author and a writer. She's all around inspiring, a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I'm just so excited to talk to her about some of the stuff that you guys have been asking about. So welcome to the show, Jordan. Hey, Jenna. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to have you. So before we dive in, let's kick off and just give everyone kind of a glimpse into your life, where you are, how you got there, the journey of it all, and what you are up to these days. Awesome. So, man, where do you begin with the journey of it? <laughs> I mean, uh, we got all day, girl. <laughs> well, when it comes to the resource and the blog and Soul Scripts specifically, it's such a funny story because how it started is so different than what it looks like now. And I love telling this story because it just reminds me of the importance of being open-handed. So I started Soul Scripts actually while I was still in college as an Etsy shop. It was like when Etsy was kind of first becoming a trendy thing. I I was trying out some calligraphy. I thought that was cool. And I would doodle Bible verses and encouraging quotes and things like that, just kind of in my notebooks. And, you know, it was kind of a a hobby for me. And then someone suggested that, hey, you know, you're kind of good at that. You should start an Etsy shop. And I said, what's an Etsy shop? (laughs) What is that? And looked it up and saw that it was an online marketplace where you could sell your crafts and things like that. And so I thought, oh, that'd be fun. And not really realizing the undertaking that that might be. (laughs) So did that for a little while, kind of just out of my closet, was wrapping up school, all that. And it got to the point where, you know, my social media had started to grow a little bit. I was getting a decent response. I mean, I had all the reason in the world to keep going. But I just felt this tug on my heart that it wasn't quite the right direction. I had such a passion for encouraging people and writing helpful resources and sharing a positive message and things like that. But the whole element of running a shop and packaging and shipping and all of those pieces really wore on me. And it got to the point where I realized I had to either make a decision. I was going to do this shop full time and that was going to be my business plan or I was going to make a shift. And I really felt the need to make a shift. And so from there, I closed the shop and said, you know, I've heard this blog thing is apparently a thing. Everyone seems to have them on their websites. I'm going to try it out. And I really didn't even understand the blogging world at all. I just kind of would share messages and things like that. But very quickly I learned and I educated myself and over the last several years, it's kind of become what I've done. I've then been able to put more resources out there, define my niche and create this space, this online space, this experience and this resource and community for girls that are, I kind of call it the millennial woman kind of resource, if that makes sense for the 20 somethings, the college girls, those girls going through those really transitional times in life, girls that I would want to just be best friends with and speak into some of those real tangible issues that they're facing and going through, but may not really be able to talk about. That's amazing. It's been really fun to just dive deep into your archives and to just really look at the transformation that you've been through. What was it like when you decided to kind of close up the shop? Was your identity wrapped up in that at all? Or were you just kind of ready for something new? I think I was so craving something new. I mean, I didn't do it all that long, but it was long enough to where I realized, you know, this isn't where I land. This is where I started. I think sometimes we think we start someplace, we have to land there, (laughs) but there's so much freedom in realizing, actually, I can change. I have some control over this and I'm going to just trust the Lord on that one and go with it. And, you know, it was interesting because very shortly after doing that, you know, when you make a big shift 
and you're in a transitional period of life, you know, I was kind of starting in the work world and all of that. It can be scary, but there's also so much freedom in it. And I had affirmation after affirmation that this was the right path. You know, things that shouldn't, like I had no business doing as a blogger that had been a blogger for two months, things were happening. You know, I was connecting with people I never should have connected with and just having these affirmations that this is correct, keep moving, keep going. So was it scary? Yes, but it was also so freeing. That's awesome. What was the hardest part of learning about blogging? Because the blogging world is totally different than it was years ago. So what was kind of the biggest learning curve for you there? I think learning one, what actually works and what people want and also how to be intentional with it. There are a bazillion blogs out there and 95% of them don't necessarily serve a purpose other than sharing personal experiences. And that is not a bad thing. I mean, my blog has a lot of personal experiences in it, but just learning to turn that wheel and navigate it a little bit more intentionally and knowing what works and what actually works to creating a job out of it, but also out of benefit and to impact people with it. Those are two totally different things that I didn't know when I was first starting. So let's talk a little bit about the content creation process because you are creating a ton of content both on the blog and you're writing a book. So what has that whole process looked like for you as you've kind of navigated creating tons of content every single week? Yeah, it can get exhausting. That's for sure. But you know, the willingness to stay inspired, I think is an actual tool and a lesson and a skill that you have to learn because believe it or not, inspiration doesn't just pop into your brain out of nowhere or when you've been working for hours after hours after hours. And so especially with writing, especially with some of the video content I have inside my member portal and things like that, it's consistently going back to the places that give inspiration, willingness to unplug, willingness to look and ask other people. I think I've always been naturally the kind of person it's like, I'm a me do person. When I was three years old, someone would try to help me and I'd look at them and I'd say me do, you know? And I think that is like so true to who I am now as an adult. I so naturally want to pave my own way. And it makes so much sense that I'm a business owner and a blogger and run my own job. But when you do that, the willingness to look to your right and your left and say, how can I help you? And how can you help me? That is really kind of been a lesson I've had to learn, but also it's contributed so much to my content and also being willing to listen, not only to the people to the right and left, but also to my readers and understanding what questions are they asking? What do they want? You know, so often questions turn into content (laughs) and the most valuable content. So listening and being willing to ask hard questions to take a humble place and say, you know, I really don't know what else to come up with. Do you have any ideas? I don't want to just come up with something out of thin air for the sake of coming up with something. I want it to be valuable. And that usually you can't always do on your own. So slowly but surely, I'm learning to ask for help. I'm learning to listen more. I'm learning to turn to my four major sources of inspiration and draw upon those so that I consistently have quality, valuable, helpful content. Okay, Okay, so now I'm dying to know what are the four sources of inspiration? Oh my goodness. Well, in the first one, depending on, you know, how far along one is in the process, the very first one is obviously reader questions that come through in emails, you know, and things like that. Emails, messages, even comments. It's just really helpful to engage with your readers and or your clients and know what questions are they asking. So the very first place I tend to look is 
there. Secondly, it would be like a personal experience or pain point that I've walked through and either solved or at least learned something on. You know, I think sometimes while you want to give people a takeaway, sometimes you don't have a black and white answer. And so learning, okay, here's three things I've learned to consider and that will help in said situations, you know, and in these problems or these pain points of my own, that really serves as a big one. If I've been walking through something or recently walked through something, sometimes your own story is the best place to start. And then the third one would be, time with my peers and people who fit my reader demographic. So I think one thing that can be easy to forget is your own friends can kind of stand in as your clients and as your readers, (laughs) especially if you're kind of, even if you're not in that world, like I write to women ages 18 to 30, give or take. And so most of my friends are in that age range. And so when I go to the gym and I'm with other women, what are they asking? What are they complaining about? What are they worried about? Those are some of those questions I can ask and then infuse into, well, based off of what I do, what can I or how can I answer that in a way that's relevant to what I do? Or listening to what family problems they might be having or what questions they're asking. And then fourth would be, identifying and taking inventory of what people come to you for. So for example, there are certain people in my life that I would never ever go to for accounting advice. I just wouldn't, I would never ask them for business advice, but I would totally go to them for creativity, for branding, for photos, that kind of thing. If I need some creative inspiration, I go to her. But if I need advice on something more tangible or something more serious, I would go to this person. And so knowing that about how I treat relationships, I have to kind of look in the mirror and think, what do people come to me for? So that way I can kind of begin to think about what I'm offering in every piece of content. So personally, one thing I've noticed within my own peer groups, within my own family groups is a lot of people will just come to me for advice on simple things. I don't always go to certain people for advice, but I go to them for creativity and There may be someone else that's out there that's a business owner that says, hey, I recognize not a lot of people ask me for business-specific advice, but they totally ask me for creativity advice or something like that or wisdom on you know a deeper issue or something like that. So knowing that about myself and then looking and being willing to, like I said, learn from others, my fourth piece of inspiration then is once I understand that about myself, I can find other related pieces of content and see, you know, obviously you don't want to ever copy what someone else does, but what you can do is say, what are other subjects within said niche, right? that seem to do really well that my type of readers would be interested in and kind of allow that to then think, okay, I know that this topic, this topic, and this topic are really important and really helpful to girls in my niche because of the things that they are facing in life, if that makes sense. And the transitions they are walking through or the changes they are making, knowing that how can I channel what I'm going to say and how can I focus on those things using my own creative ideas, my own experiences and my own knowledge. So I would say those four places are kind of looking at yourself and your own personal problems, looking at your reader questions, examining what your peers are talking about, what your friend group is talking about, kind of your main, whatever your audience is. And then fourth would be kind of looking at other pieces of content and other topics within your sphere of influence that really inform and would be helpful to your readers and that do well and using your own creative pieces and to add to that and to create something of your own. So I look at Pinterest, I look at what others are doing elsewhere, you know? And so it can be a really helpful tool as long as you know where the lines are, but it can be kind of a fourth place, especially when you're just getting started and don't feel like you have a lot of client questions or reader questions or something like that. 
That's awesome. Do you, just out of curiosity, do you poll your audience often? Sometimes, yeah. And that's kind of the whole reader question thing. If I don't feel like I've got a lot of questions, I'll send out an email with, hey, tell me three things you need about this. Or what would you love to see next? You know, or what's your biggest pain point right now? Those kind of simple questions. And I usually make a multiple choice and keep them really short because people don't like to give too much of their time. That definitely helps. I try not to do it all that often, but it helps a lot in the beginning when I felt like I wasn't getting a whole lot of questions. Absolutely. And I feel like too, the more that you can do that as you grow, the more you can kind of keep a pulse on your readers because your readers are always evolving as you are as a human. So I bet that you can answer this question and not many people can, but what are some of the things that you just know without a doubt, like your audience is going to love? Like I can name off things that I know when I go to post it, like people are going to be pumped about it. Mm, Yeah. A lot of my stuff is advice oriented, but the things that I know that are really tangibly helpful for them are relationships specific because who of us never have a problem with the relationships, right? We all kind of are consistently learning new things about those people in our lives or going through different seasons of our relationships and transitions and things like that. So I know that when I put out content about friendship and about relationships, whether that's breaking up or marriage advice or loneliness or feeling like you're waiting or those are things that really hit home for a lot of people because we all have relationships and we're all designed to be in relationships to feel like we belong. And so there's a lot of different pieces of advice that I'll put out there on certain subjects, but the ones that are kind of the intangibles that aren't necessarily, here's your three-step solution to cleaning your kitchen, but more of here's how to deal with some of this soul stuff and this heart stuff. Here's some things to consider to help you come to your own answer on your own. Those are the things that I think really hit people because they're not really something you can find all that easily, if that makes sense. There's tons of recipes out there. There's tons of workout plans out there. There's tons of Bible verses thrown on everything everywhere, but my heart isn't to just spew something out there or give like a quick three-step solution. It's actually to get people to work through some of that stuff and especially that relationship-oriented, belonging and purpose-oriented type of content and type of material. That's awesome. So one of my biggest questions then when I think about exactly what you do Mm -hmm. and how you do it is when people are coming to you for advice, are you using personal stories? How do you know how to speak to them in a way that is received or like applicable to what they're going through, even if you don't know exactly what they are going through? Yeah, really, I kind of follow a four-step process. I really try to identify either if they've come to me or I just kind of know based on my audience. I try to identify really what that underlying feeling, problem, pain point is. And then to illustrate that creatively. So yes, it can be through a personal story. It could be through an experience someone else has had. It could also be through something like tangible imagery, like a metaphor or something that it could be something tangible, like a, an analogy or a story that uses imagery and strong imagery that all can kind of picture and relate to and understand how that paints this picture of this underlying feeling they may have. Their experiences with that feeling may be totally different, but kind of first getting them to identify and work through what they might be feeling. And then offering helpful content that's done either through research, sometimes through person, sometimes it's very simple, like here's some steps to consider, but sometimes it's through research, like what actually helps with anxiety or what, you know, what actually helps with building a better blog. You know, some of the other posts that do really well of mine is teaching them how to blog themselves. And so 
I don't have all the answers. And so learning from others, educating myself, investing in courses and things that teach me so that I can then say, okay, now I understand and I've implemented these things, seen that they've worked. I'm happy to teach you, you know, that kind of a thing. It's kind of a combination of personal experience, strong imagery to kind of illustrate, but also, like I said, the willingness to listen and the willingness to learn. Okay, so here's the million dollar question. (laughs) And I want to know how you would answer this because I always struggle in knowing exactly how to share things because what you and I both have is very heartfelt brands. And so a lot of times people say like, I want to stop hiding behind my work. I want to put my life out there or I want to share real things. How do you know how to do that? How do you know how to be hashtag authentic with being truly authentic? And what does that look like? Because you just wrote an amazing piece about it and I just resonated so much with what you were talking about. So share a little bit about that whole thought process and where it's led you to. Yeah, you know, it's something I'm really passionate about because I do really agree with the need to infuse you into your brand, to infuse relatability. I mean, people follow people, not blogs and not brands, right? And so they have to identify with something behind that brand. And so for a long time, you know, I found myself feeling like I had to put it all out there and I had to be just so open and even over embellished to prove that, hey, I get you. I I relate to you, you know, and I think sometimes that in doing that can also come from such a place of insecurity as well. Like if it's, if it's done without this positive spirit or this intentionality, like if it's not really going anywhere, but you just have the desire to prove that you're relatable, you might get a lot of likes on that. But like one, how is that benefiting your reader or your client? And two, how is that benefiting your business? And how is that giving a little peek into like behind the looking glass without like just sounding like you're complaining? And so that's Mm -hmm. a very fine line to walk. And I think that that's why so many either are all extreme on one side or don't go there at all. And they said, I feel stuck behind my work. And so, you know, it's really, it's an art form. I think it really is just like creating a website is an art form, but your brand is so much more than just your visuals. It's your non-visuals. It's your vibe, your tone, your diction, everything. And so you need to first identify what experience do I want to create for my client, for my reader, for my visitor, because it's an experience. And then two, How do I invite them into that experience on a personal level? So for me, I've had to actually create some structure to the content that I share so that I can still share little pieces of things that remind everyone, hey, I'm a human behind this screen, you know, or hey, I hear you, I'm relatable. Without rambling into this incredibly long thing where I end up sharing too many details or, you know, kind of going above and beyond than what's really necessary. And so learning, like I said, to identify that problem and illustrate it creatively, it's really key to use personal stories to illustrate that problem creatively because then it shows that one, I've experienced this so I understand, but two, I have authority to share some of my knowledge on it. Here's where I've come, you know, or here's how far I've come, or here's what I've learned through that, even if I haven't totally conquered it. So I have a little bit of legitimacy to help you and to share something valuable with you. So that's kind of the the key is saying, you know, I want to tell enough to illustrate that I understand, but ultimately, I want it to set me up. Like it doesn't need to be so much that it loses its purpose because the whole purpose of sharing that is to make the reader feel understood or to make the client feel understood, but then to move into your takeaway, right? To move into what you're actually going to help her with. Because the key to sharing your story is not the sake of sharing your story. Like you don't just share, 
I went to the park today and then I compared myself and then I went home. You know, it's like no one really cares about your story unless your story is genuinely helping them and providing some direction for them. And that kind of is a hard thing to come to terms with because we are told everywhere that your story matters and you need to share your story. And that sounds so good and it's so fluffy and it's like, great, I matter. And that's true. But the purpose in which you share your story is actually what matters. Like, am I doing it for the sake of getting attention? Am I doing it for the sake of proving something? Or am I using it in a tangible and intentional way that one meets my girl, my reader, my client, whatever, where she is so that she will then listen to what I can help her with and that it actually goes in that direction. So I think it's really about your intention behind sharing pieces of your story and giving yourself the freedom to understand, like, you don't have to prove to anyone that you're relatable because you are relatable. Like, if you have a heart beating, it doesn't matter if you wear makeup or don't wear makeup or if you do or you like, great. But that's not what you're trying to prove to people. What you're showing is I can help you with this or I can understand you with this. And then giving yourself the freedom to realize, okay, I have nothing to prove. So now I can share something freely with an intentional guided purpose. And it's getting my reader to a point where I can help her. It's giving me to my takeaway. It's your gateway, not your ending point. Let's be honest, we all have this love-hate relationship with Instagram, right? Find ourselves scrolling, we're hashtagging our way into oblivion, trying to crack the code on how to get more followers, and we're straight up exhausted from the rat race. I get it. That's why I want to help you. This show is made possible with the help of my totally free Insta resources that are going to help you write captions that convert, use hashtags to actually connect you to your dream clients, and so much more. Hop on over to jkinsta.com and get your hands on my resources created with you in mind. That's right. We all love free 99 and it's all waiting for you over at jkinsta.com. Go dig on in now. That's awesome. So what have you learned in terms of how you're writing or how you're speaking? Because you know that having a brand voice is so important in communicating with the right audience. So what has that looked like in terms of writing, not just for your content, but also in starting to write your book? Mm. It is very difficult and challenging when you change your style of writing or when you have to go outside of your comfort zone, just like when you make a new business decision or when you, you know, add a new element. It's kind of one of those things that will stretch you. Speaking has stretched me. I never wanted to speak. I was like, are you joking? This is not happening. (laughs) And I wouldn't say I'm by any means a pro at it, but it's that willingness to stretch outside your comfort zone. And I think one thing that I've learned through it is the power of actually having a voice and not just finding your voice, but actually harnessing your voice. We all say we want to find our voice. We need to find our voice, but like our voice isn't lost. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. we have a voice. It's just, beginning to understand our voice and to harness it and to channel it in a way that's helpful is really the key. So when one says to find their voice, it's like, "Mm, man, you're just crediting so much of the gift you already have. That's already there. Let's start to zero in on what are the strengths of your voice? And that's the question that needs to be asked. And when I started asking that and considering what am I naturally drawn to? What do people naturally come to me for? What settings do I thrive in? Those kind of things. I was able to understand what kind of voice I could put out there that would be received well, and that would be helpful for projects, for speaking, for books, for blogging, because it would be true and it would be identifiable. Like you want someone to be able to read or hear your voice and know it's you. And that can be intimidating 
and it can feel like it's this big craft and this big project, but knowing your voice is already there, it's more about, okay, now I need to peel back these layers of, you know, my assumptions of what my voice should be or what, you know, what other people have told me and start to examine those simple things of what kind of settings do I thrive in? If I thrive in a coffee shop, maybe my voice is a little bit more conversational. But if I thrive in a classroom setting, maybe my voice is that of a teacher. Or maybe I kind of have a combination of the two. Or maybe I have this wild free spirit because I just thrive on adventures and hiking through the mountains and I love getting dirty and messy and I just, you know, I thrive in those wild free kind of free spirit settings. So maybe my voice is more whimsical and and adventurous, you know, and maybe I tell more of a story or whatever. And so it's beginning to take inventory of who you already are, what you already do and how people already describe you and begin to channel those things into the conversations that you're having through your writing, through your speaking, through your books or through whatever medium of communication that you have. Has it been like a process for you to discover your voice? Because I know for me, Drew always laughs whenever I like help him with Instagram captions. He's like, it just comes so easy to you. And I'm like, but I've been doing it for so long. What has that process looked like for you in terms of finding your voice, especially as you're jumping into new projects and new things? Oh, it is always a process. And sometimes I wonder if I've even nailed it. You know what I mean? Again, I think you're always evolving, but it does start to come more naturally. And I think we have to take the pressure off. That was one thing I had to get to. I was like, I need to stop trying to make my voice sound a certain way and let it just be. And then I can go back and refine it. You know what I mean? I think sometimes what happens is people like, like you said, Drew, my husband's the same way. He was going to write this devotional with me. And I ended up having to say, how about you just tell me what you would say? And I'll type it, you know, the blinking Mm -hmm. cursor on a white page freaks a lot of people out and it feels like I'm starting with nothing. But the reality is, is that you're actually starting with so much. You just have to draw from the bank. It's kind of, again, taking inventory and writing down ideas as they come, even if you're not using them or stories that you want to remember, even if they're the silliest things, you know? And so that has totally been a process. And I've learned just certain little tricks that work into helping harness and identify that so that when I'm writing an Instagram caption or need to write a devotional or need to sit down and write a chapter, I have this like story bank to draw from because people communicate in stories for the most part or this imagery to some degree. That's how people remember things. So if they're going to remember your voice, they have to remember what you say. So learning that process of how to be a storyteller without over embellishing, without oversharing and without boring people (laughs) is one of those things you just have to kind of pick through the weeds until you find the flower. And it takes time. And sometimes a new weed will spread up you're like, is that a distraction or is that a helpful addition to my voice? And so I think it's an ongoing process. And I don't know if you ever fully figure it out. I don't know if we ever figure out anything in this life because the second you think you have something figured out, it's like, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's an ongoing process. And it's one of those things that I think we are afraid of process. Like we want end result. Like we want to watch a movie. And if our life were a movie, we just want to fast forward to the happy ending. And it's like, but you can't even understand the happy ending unless you go through the process of it. And you know why that's even happy. So I think we have to think of our work in the same way is understanding like we don't just trust the process. We trust God in the process and we trust the fact that there will always be more, meaning you don't ever fully arrive. So like allowing ourselves to take the pressure off, like 
take the pressure off to arrive and be willing to kind of journey and pick through and weed out the things that work and don't work and trying things. So often we're afraid to try things. You don't find your voice unless you try something. You know, when I was trying to be so relatable, I realized, okay, that doesn't work. This is now trying too hard. I've got to realize that there needs to be a spirit of positivity with us, you know, and there needs to be intentionality with this. And those are the things that you learn. Like you learn the most through failing and through trying and then realizing it doesn't work or, oh my gosh, I just hit a golden nugget and I thought that wasn't going to work at all. You know, (laughs) trying the things you don't think will work and doing the things that you're afraid will work. Cause I think sometimes we're afraid that something will work too. Like we're afraid of success for some reason. Okay. I'm putting you on the spot right now, but this is a good question. (laughs) Go for it. So has there been times in your life where it's been really freaking hard and you're like, there's got to be more to this story, but I just don't know what it is. And now that you have the hindsight you can see like God working in that. Cause I know there's been so many things in my life where I'm like, why am I going through this? Why is this happening? And then when I look back, I'm like, it all makes sense. Has anything like that happened to you? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I don't know if it's the hardest thing in the world, that's for sure. But a big challenge that I recently walked through was just the past year when it's kind of in this crucial growing period of what I'm doing and the work that I'm stewarding and trying to create intentionally I felt like I was dragged kind of everywhere. We moved five times. We got married 11 months ago and we've lived in five different places. So if that tells you anything about the stress level that I felt like I was under, (laughs) that impacted, I think, a lot. And I'm still kind of reeling and trying to process all that just kind of occurred. It's been one of those years where it was like one major life change is getting married. Another major life change is starting a new job and kind of really getting into your work. And that's really when I started to pour into my business full-time, 100%, with right around the time we got married. And then the third, one of the third biggest life changes is moving. And so all of those happening in a very short amount of time kind of made me go and look up and think, I can't handle another thing. Like I can't even do a dish. You know, it was just like my mind was swirling. I was trying to keep up. I was trying to help and know how to be a wife and do all of those things that come with all the new transitions in life. And I look back now and realize, you know, one, how many awesome stories do I have to tell now? But two, it taught me how to be okay with growing slowly and being patient. I'm not, like I said, I'm not naturally a patient person. Um, so naturally I want to get to that end result. I want that happy ending. I want that clear answer, but sometimes it's a process of coming to that answer. And so now I think the beauty of sometimes those seasons of rushing and running and moving and feeling like you're in turmoil and like nothing makes sense. And then the second you think you landed somewhere, you've got to uproot and move again. You know, um, I think all of those things, taught me to appreciate the very simplicities of life. Like the joy that comes with watching your husband mow the lawn, the joy that comes with just having a sink to do your dishes. And that's actually your sink, you know, and like those little privileges that we so often overlook because we're so busy trying to get our business off the ground or get that book deal or move and try a new opportunity or walk through that next door. And like, yes, please go for it. Like wear yourself out, but realize that as you're being worn out and as the the things that don't make sense, don't make sense when you have that second to pause and to breathe, like sometimes it'll get harder before it gets easier. But when you do have that second to pause and breathe, it makes you notice those little things like, wow, I have the ability to answer an email. I am paused right now and I'm breathing, you know, like we -hmm. overlook so much in the process. And I think that's what this past year has taught me, even in the midst of trying to write this book and run this blog and hire people and do all those things that come with running something of your own. 
it's really the beauty of saying, you know, I don't have it all figured out and I probably never will. And I have to be willing to learn and humble enough to learn, but also like the willingness to appreciate the things around you on such a deeper level. It's like your business and your life is going to flourish so much more because your heart is in a better place and your heart is like so appreciative and abundantly overflowing with joy and positivity and connectivity and willingness to extend a hand, not for the sake of getting likes, but for the sake of like, I get you, you know, that benefits your business a bazillion times more. But I think sometimes we have to go through the fire to then realize like, not only does it benefit my business, but it benefits my life. Absolutely. So here's a question that I think the listeners and readers can relate to is, has it been nerve-wracking to associate yourself with your faith? I'm a Christian as well, and not everyone listening is, but has it been something that is scary because you're judged on a different level or your content is looked at in a different eyes? Has that been something that's been fear-invoking or what have you learned through that process? Yeah, you know, I think it can, anytime you have a set of beliefs or that you stand for something, you are going to have people that don't always agree with you or that don't quite understand you. And so that's usually a very legitimate reason for a lot of people just not to share that. And that's okay. But for me, you know, it can be fear invoking. I feel like sometimes I'm a walking target. Like if you say one thing wrong, it's overanalyzed, you know, or whatever. Um, and you're kind of over there like, I'm just a human. <laughs> but so yes, it can definitely be, you know, it's, it's looked at through a different lens. It's kind of, sometimes I feel like it can be overanalyzed because the hard thing about what I do is I infuse my faith into everything that I do, but I also take a very relaxed conversational approach to things. And so I have to be careful that I don't have people that think I'm downplaying what I believe, if that makes any sense, while also being true to what I believe. But, you know, I think for those who may not be Christians or walking with the Lord and don't quite understand why that might feel necessary, it's kind of the same thing as like, if that is so, in, as a Christian, I believe that my identity is redeemed, which is like such an awesome, like life-giving thing. And so to hide behind a screen to feel like, well, people might not like that I feel this freedom or whatever. This is a part of my identity. So if I'm going to infuse me into my brand, I feel like I can't quite totally leave that out or pretend that that's not a part of me. That would be like not telling people my name, if that makes sense. Like it would be like saying, well, my identity is what I'm going to show, but I'm not going to tell you the most intricate part of my identity, if that makes sense. So Yes, it's fear invoking, but it's almost kind of energizing. I think it's almost like you're going to have people who don't understand or agree with you on certain things, whether that's your faith or any other decision or beliefs that you have in your life and having the courage and the boldness to say, but that is part of who I am. And if I'm going to be authentically me, then I understand that I might not always have people that agree with me. If we're trying to get everyone to agree with us, we're not going to get very far. <laughs> so I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. And that comes with sharing your faith and all sorts of other things that we can share. But I just really realized the beauty of adopting a spirit of boldness in all things and understanding that when something is so intricately a part of you, denying it does you no good. Um, it might get you a few other people who will follow along. But then if you're not being true to yourself, everything's going to crumble and nothing's going to flourish, if that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that totally makes sense. I think it's just, you know, I think a lot of people struggle in knowing, especially when you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. like how can I incorporate really important things, whether mm -hmm. it's your children or your marriage or your faith mm -hmm. or even just like hobbies outside of what you do. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who says like, I'm just a photographer, so I just take photos, and they're not really owning their identity. What would you tell them? I think you have to remember that there are, let's use the photographer example. There are 
tons of photographers out there. And just the same, there are tons of writers out there. And it's really easy to just put your head down and be like, that's what I do. That's what I'm focusing on. But you have to remember that people connect with you on a deeper level outside of just what you do. And so though your focus point might be photography or teaching photography or blogging or whatever, you have to realize that the very things that set you apart are the things that are also going to not always be liked by people like certain personality quirks you have, you know, and if you are so boldly willing to share those, there's going to be some people that are like, Oh my gosh, she's obnoxious, you know, or if you are so boldly willing to put your faith out there and that doesn't mean you have to preach at people. Like I am not interested in being a pastor, but I'm willing to share certain concepts that revolve around what I believe gives freedom and true meaning. I believe that. So I can't give advice without, if my job is to write and to give advice and to create resources, if I can't infuse that into there, then I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my work. And I think the same goes for you. If you feel like, you know, I'm just this, I don't want to get too deep on these things that are personal. Again, it's the same thing with sharing your story. You don't share it for the sake of just proving to people like, look, I'm a Christian or like, look, I have cute kids. You've got to identify and, and check your heart and think, one, there are so many different photographers out there or different business owners out there. What sets me apart, but not what sets me apart just because I have this thing or I believe this thing or I have these kids, but why do I share that to connect with my target audience? What about that has intentionality and informs my work in a way that sets me apart from maybe another photographer they saw. It might set me apart in a bad way, meaning, okay, they might choose not to go with me if I share my belief or if I have a little bit more personal about my family or something like that. But the right ones will choose to go with you. The ones that you're going to thrive working with, the ones that you are going to really get to serve well and also kind of be served because the experience is so rewarding. Like it won't just be a drag, like another hire. It'll be a hire that is like life-giving. I think we're afraid of that. And sometimes that takes a little bit more time to find those people. But if you aren't true to who you are, you're never going to have the true and right audience that you need. Amen, girl. Dropping those <laughs> truth bombs. I love it. I think it's so true. And I think that a lot of times we rely on our work to be that connection point, but people aren't even going to seek out our work if they don't feel like they know us. And so when I see so many talented, talented humans hiding behind what they do and believing those lies that you are what you do or what you create, I feel like there's just such a disservice because people are never going to truly connect with your work if they're not truly connecting with you. Have you found that to be true with how you write and everything? 100%. It is the most, you know, when you have a reader or someone that believes in your brand and has followed and supported your brand and you either meet them or you get an email from them and it says, I know you don't know me, but I feel like we're best friends. <laughs> that is when you've hit the golden ticket and not because the golden ticket to finances, but the golden ticket to a thriving organization, thriving business, thriving endeavor, creative process, whatever, because suddenly your reader feels understood because we always talk about the importance of takeaways in business and the importance of helping people, but you're going to help them most when they feel understood. So, and when they can connect with you again, that doesn't mean you have to tell them like a laundry list of your problems. That doesn't even mean you have to disclose everything going on in your life. It means if I'm going to talk on this specific issue, what simple experience have I had, you know, that would help that reader realize, okay, I'm not the only one having this issue. You know, even if that's something as simple as building an email list or something as deep as holy cow, what's wrong with my marriage, you know, or whatever, it could be a broad spectrum of things, but giving, you know, my rule of thumb is give three to five lines of personal story, you know, kind of as a rule of thumb, again, it can vary a little bit, but if you share three to five lines in anything you share, 
It's not overkill. It's not like you're asking for constant pity or whatever, but it keeps you focused and it'll help you infuse a little bit more of some personal experiences or your personal beliefs or whatever without totally beating a dead horse. Like nobody wants to like hear that. Here's my belief. Here's my belief. Here's my belief. You know, you don't need to shove it down their throat, but you also need to be willing and bold enough to share that so that they can connect with you and understand you and want to work with you. And the people that are going to want to work with you based off what you share are the people you're going to love working with. Absolutely. I think it's so cool. And I think that the ability for us to create those friendships of, I know we don't know each other, but I feel like we're Mm -hmm. best friends. Or even when you and I met each other, it's like we already knew enough to like have conversation or to kind of know like, here's where you're at. What are you actually working on in life? And Mm -hmm. I think that there comes true strength in knowing how to share enough. So you don't have to share everything. You just have to share enough. And it's funny when you run into people that maybe knew you from before. I ran into somebody from high school and they're like, wow, you know, I know all this stuff about you. And all I said back was, you know, just enough to feel like, you know, everything about me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a true gift is knowing when to censor or stop yourself, but also giving out enough to create that connection. I think that's like the sweet spot that people just really struggle to find. And I mean, we're both examples. It takes a long time to figure Mm -hmm. that out, right? (laughs) Totally. And that's why I think a good starting point is to just give yourself a little bit of a rule of thumb, you know, and then tweak it. If for you, you need to give more or you need to give less or whatever, you know, I've had to learn the hard way. There's been times I've totally overshared and I have family members calling me saying, why would you say that? You know, I'm like, (laughs) 3,000 people have read it. But it's that, you know, starting point. If you don't start trying to step outside your comfort zone, you're just going to live in your comfort zone. And so kind of don't forward your mail there. Like always be willing to push the boundary a little bit, but also don't be afraid of boundaries. There's boundaries for a reason. So give yourself a starting point. I say start with three to five lines. Like if you're going to write an email, you're going to write a caption or whatever it might be that kind of gives a little bit more and you don't have to do it with everything you share. Start with something so small once a week, three to five lines. I'm just going to give a little tidbit about what's going on with me and why I can understand them and how I can help. And that's super like low threat or, you know, non-intimidating, non-threatening. It's not overkill, but it'll get you kind of started and you can kind of gauge what works. What do people respond to? What am I comfortable with? Okay. That was too much that time. Instead of just feeling this pressure to suddenly be like mega real, totally 100% all the time, (laughs) because that doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, it's a starting point. It's like a journey, just like anything else, but it'll totally help your brand. It'll help your voice. It'll help you understand your voice when you can understand what, how you can make someone feel understood and how you can come alongside them, but also how you can help them. Those are the three things you really need to know in order to really harness the voice you already have. Amen. So now where can everybody find Because everyone's like, well, I want to know Jordan Dooley. So where everyone can connect with you online. So my website is thesoulscripts.com. The word the is in front of it because the Soul Scripts domain was taken, which is really sad. But thesoulscripts.com is my blog. It's my memberships. It's all my resources. Basically, that is like the candy shop of everything. That is like the hub. But if you are like an Instagrammer and that's your thing, my blog account is called Soul Scripts. And my personal account is Jordan Lee Dooley. It all rhymes. It's like a Dr. Seuss name. It's really fun. (laughs) And then my Facebook page is just the blogger page, Jordan Lee. There's also another person out there named Jordan Lee that has a page. And he's a fisherman. So sometimes I get tagged in these fisherman things. (laughs) And all these like fish show up on my page. But it's a picture of a girl, not a guy in a boat. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. We will make sure we land on the right Jordan Lee. 
Thank you so much for just sharing your heart, your journey, and some really amazing advice for people that are just looking at honing in that brand voice and kind of knowing exactly how to walk that line. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you. 